the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Jesus is described as our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And John writes his gospel to show us that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God, that he's God in the flesh. God come down from heaven, humbling himself, becoming a man and dwelling among us and taking on humanity to reveal himself to us and to die for us on the cross to save us. Chances are you've heard your fair share of individuals claim that Jesus never said he was God. More often than not, those who make such accusations are either under the influence of false doctrines or they simply haven't bothered to read the Gospels themselves. As Pastor Dan will teach you in his message today, Jesus is God, and if he weren't, his death on the cross would be meaningless. In his study, you'll learn how God had to become man so as to free us from the burden of our sin and reconcile us to God. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John, chapter 20, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. They created all these rules and regulations for the Sabbath day and what constitutes work and what doesn't constitute work. And they literally created volumes defining work for the Sabbath day. One of the things you weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath day was carry a load because they that that in the, they defined as work. And so when they see this man walking on the Sabbath day and carrying his bed and here when it says the Jews in verse 10, and it's the capital Jews there, it's referring to the religious leaders. It's not referring to all Jews. It's talking about the religious leaders there in Jerusalem. They see this man carrying his bed, and they say, hey, it's the Sabbath day. Not allowed to carry your bed on the Sabbath day. And the man answered, verse 11, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Now notice here in verse 11, this guy doesn't even know who Jesus is. Jesus never said, oh, and by the way, my name is Jesus. So Jesus comes up, the stranger comes up, heals him, and then leaves. And this guy doesn't even know who healed him. That's grace. That's grace. Grace is undeserved favor, undeserved kindness from God. This guy's not praying. This guy's not seeking the Lord. He's not at the temple. He's across the street over this pool. Jesus comes up and heals him. Jesus leaves. He doesn't even know Jesus' name. It's all grace. So verse 12, then they, the religious leaders, asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? And I suspect they had a pretty good idea of who it was because there's only one guy going around healing people at this point. 
But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. So he slips away in the crowd before the guy can say, what's your name? Then afterward, verse 14, Jesus found him in the temple. And I like that. This man is healed at the pool of Bethesda. And what's the first thing he does? He goes right across the street to the temple to worship God. You just see where his heart is. He doesn't go home, doesn't find all of his friends, doesn't go kiss his mama and say, look, I'm healed after 38 years. And I'm going to go worship the Lord, seeking first the kingdom of God. So afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. So he's there in the temple courts. Jesus walks up to him and says, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So apparently this man's paralysis was the result of some sin in his life. You know, so they had some kind of physical affliction that was brought on by sin. So Jesus says, don't sin anymore. And the man departed. I love this verse 15. He departed. He goes back and he finds those religious leaders that were interrogating him and said, hey, it was Jesus that made me well. <laughs> the guy's name was Jesus. You were asking earlier who it was. I found out who it was. It was, it was Jesus. Ever heard of him? Yeah, we've heard of him. <laughs> we know who he is. And for this reason, verse 16, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. He broke their man-made rules. He didn't break God's rule, but he he broke their man-made rules. Now watch verse 17. And Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. The title son of God means Jesus is God. That he's equal with God. Jesus uh, referring, uh, being referred to as the son of God means equality with God. Next week, when we get to John chapter one, Lord willing, We're going to see that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That the word, which is God, became flesh, took on human flesh and dwelt among us. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I and the father are one. We're one in the same. In John 14, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because we're one and the same. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says of Jesus, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of God was in Jesus Christ. He's fully God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Titus 2.13, Jesus is described as our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And John writes his gospel to show us that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God, that he's God in the flesh. God come down from heaven, humbling himself, becoming a man, and dwelling among us, and taking on humanity to reveal himself to us and to die for us on the cross to save us. 
So John writes this gospel, we're told, he writes this gospel to prove to us that Jesus is the Christ. He's this promised Messiah that's spoken of all throughout the Old Testament and that he's the son of God, that he's God in the flesh, that he's Emmanuel, God God with us. Now, the way that John proves this to us, the way that John proves that Jesus is the Christ and that Jesus is the son of God is really cool. First of all, and if you're taking notes, here comes a list. John is going to give us in his gospel, he's going to give us seven signs. Seven signs that show that Jesus is the Christ and the son of God or seven miracles, you could say, that point to the deity of Jesus Christ. Seven miracles that only God could do. Seven signs. Again, if you look at verse 30, chapter 20, and truly Jesus did many other signs. And then in verse 31, but these are written, these signs are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. So he gives us seven signs in the gospel of John that point to the deity of Jesus Christ. Six of the seven signs are only found in John. They're not mentioned in the other three gospels. The first sign, uh, if you flip over to chapter two, Flip over to chapter 2 in the Gospel of John. Uh, chapter 2, this is when Jesus turned the water to wine at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And then in chapter 2, verse 11, it says, The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So chapter 2, verse 11 tells us this is the first sign. Here is the first sign that shows us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And he's going to give us a total of seven. The next sign will be in chapter 4. So here's your list. Chapter 4, we see the second sign. He heals a sick boy in chapter 4, the nobleman's son. In chapter 5, he heals the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda that we just looked at. In chapter 6... He feeds the 5,000. In chapter 6 also, he walks on water. In chapter 9, he heals the blind man. And his final, his seventh and greatest sign is in chapter 11 when he raises Lazarus from the dead. And after after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the Jewish religious leaders really began to plot on how they might kill him, and they're going to kill Lazarus. And what a bad deal that guy gets. He's dead. Jesus raised him from the dead. Now they want to kill him because he's been resurrected from the dead. But after that that sign in chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus, that's when the religious leaders really began to plot how they might kill Jesus, which is going to lead us into chapter 12 when Jesus goes up to Jerusalem for the last time that final Passover where he will be arrested, crucified, buried, and resurrected the third day. So John gives us seven signs. And what does a sign do? It points us to something. A sign points us to something. And these seven signs point us to Jesus being the Son of God. Not only does John give us seven signs, but he also brings seven witnesses Seven witnesses in his gospel. It's almost as if he calls seven witnesses to the witness stand to share their testimony 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The first witness, of course, is John himself. In John chapter 20, verse 31, he is testifying that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So there's John. That's the first of seven witnesses. Uh, Then in chapter 1, verse 34, John the Baptist declares that Jesus is the Christ, or he is the Son of God. Uh, In chapter 1, verse 49, Nathanael declares that Jesus is the Son of God. In chapter 6, verse 69, Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In chapter 11, verse 27, Martha says, You are the Christ, the Son of God. In chapter 20, verse 28, Thomas calls Jesus my Lord and my God. And then you have the testimony of Jesus himself in chapter 10, verse 36, where he says, I am the Son of God. And so you've got seven witnesses in the Gospel of John. So you've got seven signs, seven miracles that point to his deity. You've got seven witnesses, John included, Jesus included in that, who declare that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But that's not all. (laughs) Wait, there's more, right? It's like a Ronco commercial. John gives us another proof that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. John strategically placed seven I am statements made by Jesus in the gospel. Seven I am statements. In the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3, when God appears to Moses in the burning bush and he calls Moses to return to Egypt and lead the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt. Remember, Moses asked the question, well, who shall I say sent me? When they ask, who sent you? Who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell the children of Israel, I am has sent you. So I am is God's covenant name that he made with the children of Israel. It's the name that he himself gave for himself to Moses. And so it's the Old Testament name of Yahweh, of Jehovah, the covenant name. And John records here uh, seven occasions in this gospel when Jesus used that name. He used that covenant name, I am, for himself, clearly identifying himself as the God of the Old Testament. And the hearers, those that heard him say it, they understood that that's what he was declaring. They understood that he was declaring his deity. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And so there's these seven I am statements in John's gospel, and they're only found in John's gospel. We don't find them in the other three gospels. So I'm going to give you a list of them here, again, if you're taking notes. Chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Uh, Chapter 8, 
verse 12, I am the light of the world. Chapter 8, verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. And on that occasion, they picked up stones to kill him because they knew what he was saying, that he was declaring himself to be the God of the Old Testament. Chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. So he gives us the seven signs. He's going to give us seven witnesses. He's going to give us seven I am statements. Not only does he give us seven I am statements that we just went through, but we're going to see also that there are seven other occasions when Jesus said simply, I am echoing the divine name, the name of God in the Old Testament. And I want to show you just one example of that. If you want to turn with me to chapter 18, chapter 18. And this is the night of Jesus's arrest when he's arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron where there was a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, which he and his disciples entered. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, notice, notice in your Bible, I am he. And notice the word he is in italics there. That means the word he has been added by the translators to try to clarify the passage. But it's not in the Greek. And so when, they, when he says, whom are you seeking? Jesus, they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I am the covenant name of God from the Old Testament. And look what happens. In verse 6, now when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. All of the soldiers with their lanterns and torches and swords and everything, uh, you know, it's estimated there's maybe 600 of them at this point coming to arrest Jesus. He says the, the name, his name, I am, and they all fall over backwards and fall down to the ground just by the power of him speaking his name. And I love it. Verse 7, Jesus said again, who are you seeking? <laughs> and they, they were brave enough to say it again, maybe with a little bit more fear. Jesus of Nazareth, you know, as they're getting up off the ground. And, I, and he said, I have told you that I am. He's, he's using the Old Testament covenant name of God. And he's going to do that seven times in the gospel of John. And so in John's gospel, John's writing to show us that Jesus is the Christ this Old Testament promised Messiah, that he is the son of God, that he is God in the flesh, that he is God. And the way that he's going to prove this to us is he's going to show us seven signs, seven miracles. He's going to call seven witnesses. He's going to have these seven I am statements, plus these seven other times when Jesus uses the name I am. And all of these together. Now, seven, of course, is the number of completion and the Bible, and together these will show us that Jesus is indeed the Christ, 
the Son of God. Now turn back to chapter 20, verse 31, and we'll finish up here. Chapter 20, verse 31. John, again, he wants to show us that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God. And verse 31 tells us why he wants us to know that. He wants us to know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, uh, not so that we believe the right things about Jesus, although that's important, uh, and, and not so our orthodox is right, and not so our theology is sound. John tells us that he writes this so that we believe and have life in his name. And, and give me your attention here. John writes this gospel so that you and I can have the life that God intended us to have. Jesus in John chapter 10, he will say, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to have an abundant life, a a full, satisfying life that is only found in him. You can't find it anywhere else in this world. People look for it all over the place, but it's only found in Jesus. And so John writes this gospel so that you and I can come to know this Jesus, who is the son of God, who is the Christ from the Old Testament, the Messiah, who is the son of God. He's he's God in the flesh, but he wants us to know Jesus so that we can experience this abundant life that is available to all of us in Christ. Amen. And and here's my prayer. Listen, here's my prayer for those of you who are believers already. That as we study the gospel of John over the next however many months. And as we learn of him and we fall more in love with him. And we marvel more at him. Those of you that are believers, my prayer is that you would come to experience the fullness of life that he has for you. The abundant life that he has the satisfying life that he has. For those of you that aren't believers yet, as we study through the gospel of John, my prayer for you is that you would come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior first. And then that you also would experience the abundant life that is found only in Jesus Christ. You know, there's no sweeter name than the name of Jesus, right? Right? And so John says, hey, I I want to tell you about this Jesus who is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And the reason I want you to know about him is so that you can experience the abundant life that he has to offer. He asked me how I know and I say bring truer than the finest crystal. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, You can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray, too, for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you, that they would be protected from the enemy, and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. Our time with you is at an end for today. We'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. 
Continue reading in the book of 1 John or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth. Good night.